Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, junior high, whatever time of day it is. I hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. Got an exciting announcement for you guys. Uh, this week, uh, we are restarting uh, a few different in-person activities, and we hope that we get to see you. On Monday night, uh, we'd love all of you rising 7th graders to come here to RBC from 7 to 9. Uh, on Wednesday night, we'd love all you rising 8th graders to come here uh, to RBC from 7 to 9. And on Friday night, uh, we got something special for you rising 9th graders, also from 7 to 9. Um, each of those nights, it's, it's kind of going to... It's going to look a little bit like what small groups used to look like when we met in person. We're going to have some game, activity, just kind of hangout time uh, for the first uh, hour, a little over an hour. And then at the end, we'll break into some small group time to look at God's Word. Uh, your parents have received uh, several emails about this, including all the, the details, some of the safety precautions uh, that we, we would like you to follow when you come. Um, if they have any questions, please make sure they send me an email, Aaron Osborne at restinbible.org. Main things I, I want to remind you guys about, uh, when you come inside the building, um, you are required to wear a face mask. Most of our activities uh, will be outside, uh, but just please uh, have one with you. That would be super helpful. Um, and also, in all the things that we do, we ask that you res uh, stick to air high fives, air hugs, and all that sort of stuff. All our games and everything are going to have no physical contact. But we hope to see you in real life uh, this Monday, rising 7th graders, Wednesday, rising 8th graders, and Friday, rising 9th graders. Now, the issue of, of race and racism has been a, a really big topic in our country uh, over the last few weeks. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some of the reasons why I think this just really grieves God's heart. Why it's just it's so wrong uh, in his sight and so evil. At, at the heart of racism is this belief uh, that, that I, in my race, and who I am, is superior to you. Right? Whether, and this is what we've seen throughout history going, going between th hundreds of different races. It's not just a, a, a modern issue that we have in, in North America or anything like that. And, and it's this thought that for whatever reason, what my race is superior to your race. My gender is superior to your gender. Any of that sort of stuff. And as we are continuing our series looking at the book of Ephesians, we're going to see today why I think this is so evil in the sight of God. You see, the, the Jews of, of that day thought they were better than the Gentiles. And their, the word Gentile just meant anyone who wasn't a Jew. They thought that they were the superior race because they were God's chosen people. And that's, I mean, that makes them clearly superior, right? Um, and... And the root for them was, they're like, well, we have God's law. We have all of his commandments. We keep those more. So clearly, God is going to love us more. We are superior to all of you other people. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 is really going to debunk that lie. And he, and he debunks that lie in several places throughout Scripture. Uh, you know, in, in particular, uh, in Romans 4, he talks about how Abraham was saved by faith first, not by any good thing he did, not because he had received the law, not because any of the, the things that the, a Jewish person would hold to, but by faith and faith alone. 
Faith always came first. And it wasn't a matter of what nationality you were, what race you were, where you were born, what gender you are, any of those things. It was about faith. That's what, that's what makes you a child of God. That's what just defines your value and who, uh, who you are. And he ta- Paul talks about this throughout uh, his writings and, and especially here, what we're looking at here in Ephesians 2. Now, remember last week, we looked at the, the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2, um, and, and we heard and we saw that without God, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were objects of God's wrath. But because God is so rich in mercy, so caring, loving, compassionate, He made us alive with Christ so that He could, he could bless us, that we're saved by grace through faith. Not because of any awesome thing we've done, not because how cool we are, not because of how nice of a beard we have, or any of that sort of stuff. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's kind of the context of where we are right now. And now we're going to dive into chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Okay? And as you look in, in verse 11, in 11 through 13, it kind of outlines this division that the people of that day had, where the Jews were thinking that they were superior to the Gentiles. Then we get down to verse 14, and it says this, For he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What he's saying now is that Jesus now is our peace. We have this right relationship with God. We're no longer under God's wrath. We're no longer condemned, destined for an eternity apart from God because of what Jesus has done. My peace with God is because of Jesus. And the thing is that Paul is going to get to in this whole passage is we're all saved in the same way. It's not like a Jew is saved in a different way than a Gentile. And for us today, it's not like me, uh, it's not like I am saved differently than a person in Haiti, or a person in Croatia, or a person in Russia, or a person in Kenya. We are all saved in the exact same way. Jesus Christ is our peace with God. And because He's our peace with God all in the same way, then we are all the same in the sight of God. He's saying he's destroyed, because of that, he's destroyed this dividing wall of hostility. If I'm saved the same way as someone in Haiti is saved, there can be no barrier between us. Um, He continues talking more about this division, and he says this uh, in verse 16. He says, And in one body to reconcile them both to God through the cross. In Jesus' one life, he's reconciled both groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, to God through the cross. Or by reconciled, he means to make right with God, to restore that right relationship with God that's happened through the cross, through Jesus dying for us. By which, or basically through the cross, he put to death their hostility. Again, all of the strife between and, and discord and and anger between different nationalities and things is supposed to be put to death to, be, to end at the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he says this, For through him, for through Jesus, we both, both the Jews and the Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. He's saying this in, in multiple different ways, 
Um, here he's saying we all have our relationship with God. We all have uh, access to God through prayer by that same spirit, uh, by the same spirit. And again, it's no, I have, there's nothing different about me as, as a American Christian versus a Haitian Christian versus someone in Ecuador, El Salvador versus someone in Belize versus someone in, uh, Paris versus some, wherever you are in the world, right? It's all the same. It's all the same. And remember back to what we talked about earlier in chapter two last week. Um, all of us were dead. All of us had, were hopeless apart from Christ. And let's be real. Is one dead body better than the next? Does one dead body have more hope than the next? No, they're all dead. And we're all dead without Christ. We're all redeemed in the same way. We're all forgiven and made alive by what Jesus did for us. We all have access to God now through the same Holy Spirit. And if we're all the same in all of these same ways, how am I better than anyone else in the world? See, the reality is I didn't earn my salvation. You didn't earn your salvation. We're all the same. Continuing in, in verse 19, he says this. Consequently, or as a result of all this, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's talking to the, the, Gentile, the Gentiles here. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're all members of, of God's house together, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The foundation of our faith uh, is, is what God's word says and what Jesus Christ has done. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. We're all part of God's temple now. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're part of God's temple. And in him, you too are being built together to becoming a dwelling place which God lives by his spirit. What he's saying here is we're all part, we're all part of the, the, the body, the house, the, the temple of God. No one is an outsider. Now, uh, after I film this message, I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk into my house. I'm going to kick my shoes off. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to open up my fridge. Uh, I may get a cold glass of water. I'm going to get some dinner. I'm going to get food out of my fridge. I'm going to eat at my house. I'm going to make myself at home, make myself comfortable, right? I can do that at my house. But if I walked over to your house and just didn't knock, just entered into your front, entered to your front door um, and, uh, you know, kick my shoes off, open your fridge, found a cold soda, got out to drink, just and then just started chilling on your couch without talking to you, without you inviting or anything, that's going to be awkward. Why? Because it's not my home. And what he's saying here is we've all, all of us have been brought in and now we're all in this, this same home. We're all together. We're all part of God's temple, his tabernacle, where he dwells. We can all be kind of comfortable together in this house. It's not my house or your house. We're all together. He continues uh, in, in chapter 3, and Paul is going to talk about how he sees his whole 
purpose of his ministry is to go out and tell all the Gentiles about the hope and the life in Jesus Christ. That's his, the heart behind his missionaries. He's, he's, he's realizing it's not, it's not just about Jews knowing about Jesus. It's about all people of all nations and all tongues and all tribes knowing about, knowing about Jesus. And that's why Paul travels around so much of the Roman world. And he wanted to travel even further. Uh, you reread down in, in verse 6 of chapter 3. It says this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body that share together in the promise of Christ Jesus. He's kind of explaining, hey, what's kind of been revealed now is both Jews and Gentiles, everyone has life in Jesus Christ. He says in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. My mission, my purpose is to Proclaim this gospel. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for the ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. What he's saying here is, it, you know, some people may have been confused uh, that God wanted the Gentiles to, to know about him, but now it's been clearly revealed and my mission, my purpose, my goal in life is to tell all these people about Jesus Christ. And he continues and he, and he talks more about this and the unity we're to have um, because of Jesus Christ. Um, but then he ends chapter 3 with this prayer. And I want to read it and I want you to note specifically what Paul's praying for and how it really relates to unity. Starting in verse 14, this is Paul's prayer for the, F, the church at Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's saying, this is why I'm, what I'm praying for you. I pray that out of the glorious riches, excuse me, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how deep is the love of God. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the, full, to the measure of all the fullness of God. His prayer basically is, I want you to have enough power I want you to have this ability, this to be strengthened in their man, inner man, and have this faith that you could understand the surpassing, amazingness, incomparable awesomeness of God's love. His prayer is that they really know God's love and know the depths of God's love. Now, why is that important? Well, Paul knows that if they're going to have this unity, if they're really going to grasp this fact that it, God didn't just save the Jews, but he wants all people to know him, right? If they're going to really then come together as all these different people groups, if, you're, if in his day and age you're going to have these Jews, these Greeks, these people from Syria, these Romans, all these different nationalities, these people from the northern coast of Africa, all of them come together and be this one body of Christ, it's going to require love. If we're going to live out the way, the, the unity that God wants for us, it is going to require this radical love for one another. You see, 
If I don't love you, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive you. And there's going to be no unity without forgiveness. If I don't love you, I'm not going to put your needs above my own. And there's going to be no unity if, if people aren't willing to sacrifice their own needs for others. If, if, if I don't love you, um, I'm, shoot, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to say some mean things, some rude things about you. And that's going to kill the unity. There can't be unity without love. And that's why Paul right here is praying that they would really understand God's love for them. And for us today, there's a lot of really nasty things that, that, make, that do make it really hard for us to love. And as, I, as we just look at our country today, some of the nasty issues of racism. Racism is evil. It's evil in the sight of God. But it's, it's a challenge. It, it's a, it is a legitimate challenge that makes it really hard for a lot of people to love others. We look at all the issues surrounding uh, coronavirus and, and what it's going to look like to reopen. There's so many differences of opinions on it. And to stay unified is going to require this love that's, that's honestly not natural to us. And shoot, just the reality. I'm selfish. I want to do what I want to do. Honestly, why do you fight a lot with your siblings? It's because you have something you want to do, they have something they want to do, and you're in conflict with each other. Why do you fight with him? Well, he's being annoying to me. He's bugging me. I I'm not forgiving him about certain things. Man, if you're going to be unified, you know that it requires a love. And, and it requires me to realize, look, I'm a mess. I got problems. I've got issues. You've got problems. You've got issues. We all have problems. We all have issues. We all are a mess. We all are hopeless. I'm not superior to you. I just have different issues than you. And the only hope I have in those issues is that Jesus Christ came to this world. He lived a perfect life and he died on a cross for all my sins, all of the things that I've ever done wrong. And he rose from the dead three days later to give me life. And he says, if Aaron, if you put your faith in that, you put your trust in that, your sins, past, present, and future, will be forgiven. You'll have a relationship with me now. You'll spend eternity with me in heaven. And, and as I realized that, as I understand, I was broken and God saved me into this mess. He loved me in that way. I can't help but love other people. A natural byproduct of me understanding my forgiveness is going out and loving other people. And that's why I think Paul just really explains in chapter 2 all the ways we were broken and how we've been redeemed by God. In chapter 1, he explains all the ways that we've been blessed. And so now he's going to say, because of all that, you really need to love one another. And he's going to get more into that in four, chapters 4, 5, and 6. We, we need to now live that out because of all that God has done for us. Give you three simple challenges uh, just as, as we leave today that I want you to meditate on. We're going to talk about these more uh, on Wednesday night. First of all, I would challenge you to be humble. And real specifically, where are the areas that you think you're better than other people? And I don't mean like, well, I'm a better baseball player than you, right? Or I have some ability. Uh, I have some... Uh, Ability in playing a sport or playing the piano or play, anything like that, right? Uh, any comp, any competition stuff. But where 
I take it a step further and say, I have more value than you because I have that ability. I'm a more valuable person. God loves me more. People care about me more because I'm more popular than you. I look better than you. I have better hair than you. I have any of, any of that sort of stuff, right? And I would really challenge us to be humble. And if, I, if, I'm, if I'm thinking I'm better than you because of blank and I have more value than you because of blank, I don't sin in the way that you do. That's a really arrogant thought. And it's wrong in the sight of God. Where God says, hey, look, you're no better than anyone else. Lamentations 3 talks about it's because of the Lord's great love, you're not consumed and I'm not consumed. I exist today and I took breath today because God was merciful to me. Second thing I'd really want to challenge us in is to be able to forgive. Look, I don't know all the ways people have hurt you and people have wronged you. But I know my God has forgiven me so much. And how silly would it look if I know that God has forgiven me, but I refuse to forgive other people? And sometimes this is just the simple forgiveness of, hey, my, my younger sibling was just kind of annoying and obnoxious and I need to forgive him. I need to let it go. I need to not just be so focused on it. Sometimes I know there's some really big hurts that you guys have experienced and people have been really, really big jerks to you. And I hope you know how grieved I am by that. But God here is calling us to forgive. Why do I forgive? Because I've been forgiven. Now, by forgiveness, I hope you realize if someone has been a really big jerk to you and really hurt you in a big way, forgiveness doesn't mean that you are now but BFFs with them again. But forgiveness means that you're not holding it against them. You're not wishing ill will on them. You're not wanting like, hey, I just, I really want bad things to happen to you because you're such a mean person. And look, you're not looking for ways to spite them or be bitter at them. Third thing I, I just want to challenge you to do as it relates to love and unity is to pursue. Real love pursues other people. And that's what God did for us. When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, he pursued us by sending Jesus to die for us. And so I'd be thinking about the, your friends, especially as a lot of them are just really are struggling right now or isolated, alone. How can you reach out to them? How can you send them a, a note of encouragement? How can you maybe organize a, a time to play a game with them online? Um, or maybe if it's cool with your parents, a, a time where you could just get together and hang out with them outside in a socially distant, safe manner, right? I'd encourage you to be thinking through, how can I pursue other people? How can I pursue my younger sibling that annoys me? Could I be, would I be willing to play a game with them that I might not like the game as much, but I know it would really bless them? Think about ways that you can be pursuing other people. Because real love just doesn't sit back and wait for things to happen. It, 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 it's a love of initiation and pursuit of other people. That's what God demonstrated for us. And my prayer for us is that we would really understand God's love and that that love would change us. That love would cause us to care about others in a radical way um, and know our true identity in God. I'm going to close with uh, just Paul's prayer uh, from Ephesians chapter 3. God, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us in our inner beings so that 
Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, being rooted and established in love, would have the power together with all, all of your holy people throughout the world, all the people that are your children in every nation, tongue, and tribe, to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is, is your love in Jesus Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with all measure of the fullness of God. God, help us to know your love in a deeper way today and help that love to change our lives and change the way we love the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. I hope you all have a great week, and I hope I can see you rising 7th graders Monday, you rising 8th graders Wednesday, and you rising 9th graders on Friday night. If your parents have any questions, please tell them to send me an email. Thanks.